Hey everybody, welcome back to the Latch Mama podcast. Melissa and Lindy here. It is officially World Breastfeeding Month. Um, it is August. We are here. We've made it almost through the summer. Um, a little bit of a hot mess at Latch Mama in terms of World, World Breastfeeding Month this year. Um, still feeling the effects of COVID. Still trying to really get things back running on a organized basis but we have some really really fun stuff happening this month um we have new releases happening every monday we have awesome after hours deals every wednesday we have free shipping every saturday in august um and then the last week from wednesday to tuesday um which i think is like the 23rd through the 31st first um we are doing our big uh world breastfeeding week tiered sale world breastfeeding month tiered sale i guess is what we have to say now so it's a really really exciting month at latch mama including tuesdays we're releasing podcasts all week or all month so here we are yay um this tuesday we are talking to you guys about the most asked breastfeeding questions that we get as a company um what a lot of people don't know at latch mama is that we have a pretty significant staff of certified lactation counselors Um, we try and take anybody who is front facing to customers and get them through that program and get them through that training um so at any given point, if you all have any lactation questions at all, we're not just here to sell you clothes and give you confidence and make your life easier. We're actually here to support you and encourage you and help with something that can sometimes be a little tricky. You're listening to the Latch Mama podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Wirt, business owner and tired mom of five. Join us each week as we talk about pregnancy, nursing, parenting, and all things motherhood. So, yeah, so we are going to go through our list of questions that we get all of the time. So kind of breastfeeding 101 a little bit. Some of them are a little bit more advanced Um, and really kind of start with the basics of some situations that can pop up when we breastfeed. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. So we have seven questions we're going to try to hit today. Okay. Okay. So question number one is how can new moms best set themselves up for breastfeeding success? Wow. That's a big one. That is a very big question. So on top of being CLCs, for those of you who don't know, Lindy and I have 11 kids combined, um, soon to be 12. Um, So we're going to use some anecdotal examples. We're going to use some of our training and some of our information here, but, um, I don't think anything ever beats real life examples and real life experience. And, you know, I think having gone through the process so many times at this point, you know, we have a lot of stuff to pull from, but you know, before I had my first child, um, I had really good midwifery care had, and I think that that's where it starts. It starts with a really, really good care provider in my opinion. Um, you know, I think you can take the training. I think you can find the classes, um, But I think having a supportive care provider and expressing the fact that you would like to breastfeed, I think, is the first step. Um, I also love the idea of educating your partner, making sure that they know that it's important to you as well. Um, A lot of hospitals have free classes. 
So look into those there. There are a lot of online resources, especially post COVID, um, which I think has, has been an amazing change. Um, some of the best breastfeeding education classes are done by doulas and IBCLCs, and a lot of them have had to take their in-person classes and turn them online, which is fantastic um, because you have the opportunity to um, access them no matter where you are. Anything you yeah. did before your first or your second? I just that- wasn't educated. I thought I was educated, but I wasn't really educated. Um, so yes, I think the classes, I think reading more about learning more about your body. Uh I mean, like, you know, like we talk about those questions that people see that, um, you know, a lot might be surprised that, um, people didn't know about whether it's birth or breastfeeding or whatnot, but really like kind of body basics, like how that works. Yeah. I I really wish I'd knew like how, how milk works, how it's going to come out, how, like, absolutely how that works. Um, it's like the teenagers who work at Latch Mama that have yeah. no idea how their cycle works no and like literally and I mean, we I have was like there. cycle 101 with them and yeah. just say, hi, this is how your body works. Yeah. You know, really, truly learning about the mechanics of breastfeeding. It's mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's not rocket science because you can do a di- deep, 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 deep dive. And IBCLCs are such an amazing asset. But there are so many simple things of like how it actually works. Mm-hmm. Um that are really great to learn and it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't take you much of a time. I mean, there's, no. you know, a, a couple of articles you can read just about simple, simple kind of yeah. what needs to happen, you know, to really have that great start. Yeah. Now I know I'm, like Melissa has had her babies at home. Mm-hmm. I have had hospital births. So we're a little bit on different sides of that. And I know I did go in there not knowing to really be able to request to see an IBCLC in the hospital. Now, after that, I got to see this wonderful lady for all of my other five kids that I hope she comes on our podcast sometime soon. Um, And it was wonderful. But slowly, each of those kids, I slowly learned a little bit more about the rights that I had mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do and how to like accomplish that. Yeah. But at the beginning I do like, there is somebody there to help you. They can come and see your latch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are definitely, um, you have the right to, yeah. to have that visit and have that support. And there are simple, simple things that you can ask for, mm-hmm. um, that will set you up for success. Skin to skin immediately after birth, mm-hmm. um, is something that, you should advocate for um, if breastfeeding is important to you. It can happen after a C-section um, in most cases. Um, you know, really, really keeping that baby on the breast as much as you can, keeping that baby close. Um, it's really, really interesting. Some people, you know, I think for a long time thought that that was just like, whatever, my baby can go to the nursery or whatever, but they've really, really dug in and really studied what that oxytocin does in terms of Mm -hmm. milk production um, and how important it is to get those pathways where they need to be to actually release milk. Um, So really, really keeping that baby as close as possible and on breast as much as you can. The other simple breastfeeding 101, if you don't learn anything else from this podcast and reading, is that breastfeeding works on supply and demand. The more your baby's at the Mm -hmm. breast, in most cases, if everything is working properly, um, the more milk you're going to make. So it's really getting that baby there, having them empty the breast as much as they can, and then having your body react to that as well. Yeah. And I know for me, I always look at those first two weeks as just 
kind of those big yeah. production weeks and making sure that I am providing enough and making it enough. So I know every now and then I hear a friend, you know, it's like, oh, like, you know, my three-day-old, four-day-old, they'll they like slept through the night. And, and I think that's incredible and that's wonderful. But even for me, for those first two to three weeks, mm-hmm. I made sure that we were feeding, like if they were sleeping, I was waking them up. Mm -hmm. I was waking them up every two hours at least. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that first week we were up all the time. But what I'm saying is I didn't, I was doing it for me, for for my supply, making sure that I can regulate. Mm -hmm. And after those couple weeks, you know, we would do what was needed maybe a little bit more at night, but um, I do. I I think it's so important to. Yeah, we get that question a lot, though. Like, should I yeah. wake my Should I wake my baby up? What is it supposed to look like? Mm-hmm. Should I be feeding them? And honestly, you know, it's really done on a case by case basis that, with your yeah, it's true. with your pediatrician and your comfort level as a mom as mm-hmm. well. Um, you know, normally our answer is going to be whatever lowers the anxiety the most in the mom and whatever gets you to relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's interesting. It's funny with every baby, I've really kind of grasped, especially on the last two, how much you literally have to teach them how to nurse. And it's like your first step as a parent and that first little lesson that you get to teach your baby is how to, you know, have that, you know, as much as people will say that they come out knowing to breast, knowing how to breastfeed. Absolutely. There is, in most babies, there are, there is the built-in, you know, breast crawl and you know finding the the darkened Mm -hmm. nipple and stuff it's really quite awesome but really really teaching them how from day one to get that deep deep latch yeah and uh you know they they might be a little lazy at the beginning and really really you know from from day one you know teaching them and talking to them and so some of my favorite you know day one day two day three memories is really just watching every latch and you know, watching their little face, you know, gape open and, mm-hmm. you know, get the whole nipple in their mouth, which is another really super important thing. Yeah. So we're going to take a really long time if that's how long we're going to spend mm-hmm. on every question. Okay, but I ready? still, I love it. I love it. I love to geek okay. out. This is fun. All right. Ready for number two? Uh huh. Okay. Helpful hints for how to survive those middle of the night feeds slash pumps. <sighs> Learn how to side lie. <clears throat> Breastfeed is like my my favorite one. Um, you know, I mean, I think that we could probably do a deep dive into safe sleep here, but I think we're going to not, yeah. um, for the sake of, of drama. Um, I have never been a middle of the night pumper, so I'm going to let you take that one. <laughs> I literally hear about people doing that. My best friend from college did that. I think with all of her children and it literally makes me cringe. Like the idea that you have to mm-hmm. sit up and pump in the middle of the night is such an amazing gift. I feel like that moms give their babies because it's so different than actually having a baby on the breast. But yeah, you pumped in the middle of the night. You set an I, alarm. I only pumped in the middle of the night with so Linux was in the NICU for two a week. Mm-hmm. So that was my first kid, like first week. So <sighs> we that was a unique situation. And then just with my twins, I've never pumped in the middle of the night in the in between kids. Okay. Um, and I really only pumped in the middle of the night with the twins for the first three weeks when we were like triple, triple feeding, like triple figuring that out. <laughs> I just, so I just yeah. look at you and I'm like, but breastfeeding is so hard, but then you like do the whole twins and pumping thing. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, my little middle of the night tips, um, and this is just for me. This is just my experience. I did nurse my little ones in bed and whatnot, but I was a big 
for me to feel healthy and to sleep, I went and fed them in the rocker or in a little couch, like mm-hmm. in their room. Um, and that was probably like after the first like two months. So those like little middle of the nights, like I had a tiny little light, night light. So I kept the dim, I kept it very low, very calm. Mm -hmm. I did have water in there. Um, kept it very simple. Um, I generally changed them before I nursed in case they did not poop and then I could put them straight back down. But inevitably like nursing generally fires up that gut. So we would have to change it one up, but it's pretty crazy. Uh, After a while, um, you can just do it like with no lights on. It's pretty cool. Like how yeah. moms like just are able to and absolutely, you know, just do this. It just is become so natural. Um, but the pumping thing, it, it really is just a pain. I mean, I had my pump parts set up. I had them cleaned, um, every now and then, depending you, how we did it. Yeah. Um, I would be able to pump because that milk could sit out. So if I was using that for something else. And the reason that I pumped with my twins is at the time I had my twins, I had four other kids under six. So before those (laughs) twins came and I've done the nursing on the demand, I've done, I've done a bit of everything. Um, I chose before they came out that they were going to be able to breastfeed, take a bottle and a pacifier from the beginning and that was just my choice yeah um so hence at the beginning that is why for two weeks I chose to pretty much teach them and we had to kind of do the triple to make sure that I could pump and breastfeed so we would always I would always nurse for 10 minutes we were practicing because they were also four weeks early so we knew this would take a few extra weeks to like nail down the nursing. Yeah. So we would nurse for 10 minutes and then they would kind of get a top up with what I've pumped. Um, and then I would pump after that. So we got that down to a one hour process and we would pass babies off. So within 10 days, we were either able to do a full nursing session or I could do a full pump session. Um, but a full bottle feeding session. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I would pump and it was a full bottle of pump milk. Okay. Um, we never really did like the goal was to become either or. And then it became to where most of the time I was nursing and I would just pump knowing that I could get out of the house and leave. Cause that's what I felt kind of trapped in with the fourth child. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty cool. And at, at night after that, I never pumped at night when I could stop pumping. It was all breastfeeding at night. And that was always like a really interesting, hold on, hold on. you would get up and you would go to where they were sleeping so i would go to their sleeping if one was awake before the other they got fed first so i would pick them up feed change them feed them put them back to bed pick the other one up feed them change them put them back so if you were awake they were going to get food so if one of them was awake and one of them was asleep the one that was asleep was also going to get food before you went back to bed yeah and most of the time it would end up being a dream feed because i often only had one awake at one time so they got dream fed and they went, yeah. So they fed at the same time. But that's like a whole nother, like with the multiples like, and stuff. I'm like kind of yeah. shaking thinking of that yeah. responsibility. Now, if they were both awake and crying, well, then yeah. I needed to tandem because I wasn't going to let one sit there cry for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So then I had to figure out how to tandem like in the dark. And one was inevitably done before the other. So you kind of had so to get a burp you in. Do? You kind of had to get a burp in. And then you needed to, I had two, bo- two boppies next to me. And I had to lay that one down while I finished with it. Like, like it was such a mechanical, like, 
process. It's so like, funny because I was just talking about Carrie, who's my best friend from college, who also had twins, and she had watching her setup and watching exactly yeah. what you're saying, like the mechanical, like of just one, and two, and the systems. It's a little sad in the sense, like it is very difficult. I think if you talk to multiple moms, the one thing you do miss out on is, is just you still talk about that when they get is. sick, is you get cuddles and you I never do, got them. And I never got cuddles when they were little. I had a couple mm. times on the couch where I had help around that we mm-hmm. could just sit and not move. And they yeah. were. Because that's snuggling. like one of the best things it's about one of breastfeeding. The best things, I mean, right? I don't, I assume it happens with formula feeding too. I don't have a whole lot of reference to it, but yeah. that whole milk drunk, just mm-hmm. sit there and that oxytocin bliss yeah. of, you know, last podcast I was talking about how, you know, I wasn't quite ready to have this baby. But when I talk, when I think about like mm-hmm. that and just that milk drunk, like, love fest that happens after they eat but i can understand with two it's hard to really sit and cuddle with two especially if you have to feed another one after that or if you have like all the other totally went down like a tangent with number two but um i guess i guess my other piece of advice is what we say a lot in this podcast is get through it yeah you know like those middle of the night feeds and Middle mm-hmm. of the night pumping, it's not going to last forever. It's a sh- very, very, in the grand scheme of things, a very, yeah. very short stage of motherhood. Um, and it does get better and it does get easier. And if it helps at all when you wake up at 3 a.m., yeah. remember that you're not alone. And there are women all over the world that are awake doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And I know this could possibly play, play into another question, but... You know, if you're able to get your partner partner involved, mm-hmm. if you're feeling so overwhelmed with these nightly Absolutely. ups and downs, you please communicate. Please get them involved. It's very easy to get them involved. I think if you are, say, pumping and mm-hmm. could possibly put um, a pump bottle of milk or whatever mm-hmm. in at one of those feeds where you could grab a little bit of extra sleep. Absolutely. And if not, um, there's there are definitely ways that they mm-hmm. could help you get the baby change baby. Yeah. Just support you in general. Um, you know, I think what I've learned also over the last nine years of parenting is that the way that our family does things is not necessarily going to be the best way for another family yeah. to do something. Yep. So my sister and brother-in-law from the day the baby comes home, they take every other night from and yeah. I don't believe, I think she pumps for like the first couple of months, whatever to each to their own. But it, literally that is a steadfast rule in their house. Every other night, you know, they get the, the husband gets up or the wife yeah. gets up and that's what works for their family. Yeah. And I think as a society, we need to respect that because mm-hmm. not every woman is going to come in with the same situation during the day and the same yeah. privileges and the same, desire to want to do what you just said with the twins and you know that's well, and okay. that's what i was gonna say it i mean believe me it was hard to go in and i remember meeting and like laurel came in and she had Who's your ibcl say yeah and she had another she had a gal in training uh-huh. and um obviously i'd seen her for multiple kids and i'm yeah. like this is what this is what i want to do but also this is what i need to do i have four other children who also need me absolutely and um I mean, they were amazing. And the fact that I knew, I'm like, this helped me find a game plan because this is what I want and need to happen. And it was amazing. So, you know, but you can't sit back and say, oh my gosh, like, you know, everybody else is saying I really need to feed them like, you know, or it's all on on demand or it's all on me or I shouldn't be using a pump or, Mm -hmm. I mean, you really need to just be confident in what you need and want for you and your family and know that it's all going to be fine. Like, 
they are the happiest little five-year-olds like you know ever yeah so and I mean I think different decisions that you make are going to lead you down different paths of you know different hurdles you have to come across um and I think that that's where Mm -hmm really gathering that information in the beginning and you know if you do want to exclusively pump learn what that means learn what that's going to look like you know at month three or four and how often the washing of the pump parts is and like how Mm -hmm. you know how are you going to pump in the car you know different different things you know and really learning what, what what does that look like if you if you want to breastfeed one night but then you want to your partner to take the next night like what does that look like in terms of your supply I can tell you right now you're going to have to wake up regardless that second night and pump yeah um so you know there are different things in it that like you can put together what you think is this like perfect situation for your family but without really truly learning the science behind breastfeeding it's going to be a little bit hard to do that. So really, really start with step one, which is understanding how breastfeeding works and then mm-hmm. put together a situation that works for you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Question three, what are some ways to handle overproduction of milk supply? Yeah. And like we just, uh, it was kind of piggybacking on what I just said. Um, and this is what we talked about before too, is that, got to realize that everything that you do in terms of anything other than feeding on demand and having your baby next to you at all times, which is really not realistic for a large section of population, especially in the United States, Mm -hmm. it's not given maternity leave or, you know, proper support after birth, um, can lead to underproduction. It can lead to overproduction. Um, and overproduction is, a question that we get probably not quite as much as underproduction um, or the fear of underproduction, which I should say. Um, But, you know, you really get back to supply and demand. Um, There are women who make a lot more milk than their baby needs. Um, We were talking about this earlier. It's really watching what's going to that breast and watching what stimulation the nipples are getting are you feeding your baby and are you also, this is where it's all just so, it just, it just makes me stop because there's just such a bigger issue going on in the United States and it's definitely my little passion in life. But are you feeding your baby on demand because you're home for six weeks or eight weeks on maternity leave, but then you also have this stress of how am I going to feed my baby when I'm away from my baby and suddenly trying to build a freezer stash at the same time? What happens then, Lindy? <laughs> you start making a ton of milk because your body thinks that you either have twins or your body thinks that your baby is just eating constantly. Mm -hmm. So then you get uncomfortable and then you get stuck with the idea of, well, hold on, the baby's sleeping and isn't hungry, but my breasts are full and I need to remove that milk because I don't want to get mastitis or something like that. So I'm going to pump. And then you just start the Mm -hmm. whole cycle over again. But it's like, why did the pumping begin in the first place? The pumping began in the first place because we're adding some sort of stress, in my opinion, to women's lives that doesn't necessarily need to be there if we were to fix society in general. But that's a long, long process. I know. I know. I know. Um, could go on forever. Yeah. But I think we need to be careful. We were talking earlier about hakas. I think that they're fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know, haka is just a single piece of silicone um, kind of pump thing that you can suction onto your breast that you're not feeding on. So when the letdown occurs on the one that you are, the extra milk flows into the haka. 
now. Yeah. It's probably less nipple stimulation than a pump, but that nipple's still getting stimulated by being sucked into the haka. Um, it's nice to collect that letdown mm-hmm. because for me, I know those first few weeks while my while um, my supply is getting regulated, I mm-hmm. do lose some of that milk. You know, it drains into your. So what do you? This is where I was like thinking on that, mm-hmm. and I remember whenever I would nurse, I always just. Like, I didn't let it just come out into the, like, the pad. I literally, like, just stopped the flow. Like, this is, like, pre hawker right? It's probably not great for clock ducks, but, you know. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I just <laughs> somehow, like, underwire my... bras, and instead, yeah. Lindy's just sticking her thumb I up just there put and my, the milk back I in. I just put my finger there so, like, it wouldn't come out. But, um, <laughs> like, I just... Note to self, probably not the best advice we've ever given on the podcast. No, but... probably not, but I don't know. I never really got in... I would um, just grab a burp cloth or I something really and any, just like, put stuff there. Yeah. I really only dealt with some clogged stuff is when I, the pump was involved. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, but going to that is like, yes, no, no babies kind of sucking and stimulating mm-hmm. a nipple, but it still goes back to the, what comes out you're going to produce. Absolutely. So if you're like, Oh my gosh, I got another like two and a half ounces in the haka. Well, that's, that's another two and a half ounces. You're going to start producing extra. Absolutely. So, um, sometimes a way to get the oversupply out, which is probably my biggest piece of advice that I give people who reach out immediately after birth when they do feel engorged is really truly learn how to stimulate that milk or get that milk out of your breast by hand expressing. Hand expressing is a lot less nipple stimulation and it's a lot more just kind of milking the milk out of your breast without really stimulating that nipple and creating more oxytocin and what the secret to it is you want to do it to comfort so you don't want to do it to the point where you're removing so much milk that it looks like a feeding you're removing an amount of milk for you to feel more comfortable it's great to do it in the shower um, because the heat and the water in the shower is going to help release that milk um, without a whole lot of nipple stimulation. If you don't feel like getting up and going to the shower, you also can make kind of a tub of warm water, have your partner give you that and just kind of lean over into it and soak your breasts and just it really almost comes out naturally then um, as well. So that's a way to do it without really stimulating the nipple in terms of the oxytocin production, which then turns into um you know milk, more milk production so okay next question yep remedies for sore nipples oh i don't know you know this is one of those things like do you use something do you not use something do you get dependent on something um what is okay for the baby to ingest um you know I haven't used anything since the first baby. I probably could have a couple of times over the years. Um, I, coconut oil, if you need like just like a simple lubricants can sometimes work. I know you've used what Jack Newman's in the past, which isn't terrible. It's what my midwife recommends. Um, but we're not doctors. We're not IBCLCs. So mm-hmm. it depends on what you need for those sore nipples. I begin with just taking your shirt off, taking your bra off, but then again, not letting them dry out as well. Um, 
if you do, if you're not catching, and this is where it all gets kind of complicated, but not in an overwhelming way. I mean, if you're not catching that extra milk and you are keeping your bra up on one side and it does get moist and it does get wet in there, um, it's a breeding ground uh, for yeast, for bacteria, for everything. So really trying to lay in those first couple weeks is really important to the point where like, if you do need to be topless or you do need to be just in a lounge bra with a super soft cotton or something on it, really treating it like you would any other part of your body that is warm and moist and is getting a lot of activity. And I really, really do not like the word moist, but there was no way to avoid it in that situation. And I said it like three times in like four minutes, but you have any other advice? Did you have nipple issues? It's hard for me to call them issues because. Yeah. I think you just, um, just need to watch it with the pump. Yeah. Um, making sure if you are pumping that Mm -hmm. you have the right parts, the right sizes, Mm -hmm. they are cleaned properly and all that. Um, make sure that pump like pressure is not too high. I mean, you can, you can very easily damage. And here's the deal. Something happened. Nipples. I feel like society wise, I think it was really good with the Affordable Care Act when a breast pump was, you know, given Mm -hmm. to everybody with insurance, but somehow it made everybody think that they need a breast pump. Yeah. Which is really interesting because even Mm -hmm. I, in like my multiple child run a lactation like company, like am a CLC, suddenly thought I needed a pump all the time too. Not an actual pump, but like I felt better with a pump around because maybe it meant that I didn't have to. Like if something happened or I were to get sick or something like that, I could pump for my baby. There's really no need unless you have some sort of situation or you've talked to your care provider about it or you've talked to your IBCLC about it to start pumping immediately when your baby's born. Mm-hmm. But there are so many people that reach out to us and say, you know, I have my I have my pump packed for the hospital and da 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 da. Like the best thing that you can do in those hours and those days after the baby's born, especially while you're still in the hospital, is put that baby on the breast. Yep. And I mean, it's I mean, I think it's wonderful that women are getting free breast pumps, but I think we need to ask, why are we pumping? Are we pumping to build a stash? Are we pumping because? we feel a little bit less responsibility that we're the only one that can feed our babies. All great reasons to pump. But biologically, we need to be careful that we're not creating overproduction or we're not creating so much nipple stimulation that we are getting sore or we are getting situations. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, bottom line with nipple soreness is make sure that latch is good. Make sure the latch has been looked at. Check for lip tie and tongue ties, which is a whole nother podcast as well. So, yeah. Okay. Um, A partner's perspective, how they can be helpful in the breastfeeding process. Do you want to take this one? Um, This is a tough one, at least for me, because I struggled for with multiple kids. Wasn't really sure how to communicate my needs, what I needed. But I think it is so, so important um, to have that support. And I'm not even just talking physical support, just having an open mind mm-hmm. to knowing what your partner is going through. They're going through something that honestly they may not even be able to explain to you. Um, support in the form of words, support in the form of, you know, yes, the physical help. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think is all just so, so important. But I think it's going to come down to, once again, everybody's situation is different. Um, and to really, really try to communicate openly and honestly and listen. It's so it's hard, just, it's, it's, uh, Other than that, I don't. I, it's just, it's so, so difficult. You know, we've talked a lot over the last week as my <laughs> pregnancy hormones have increased just about the weight of certain things in motherhood and our kids' nutrition, whether they be right out of the womb or whether they be nine years old with a higher BMI, which has been my thing that I've been hung up on for a week now with my kids. There's such a weight that falls on the mother. And it's so hard because it's so hard to communicate that back. And it starts at infancy. It starts at that day that baby comes out and you're responsible for keeping it alive. And you add additional children, you add the weight of whatever is happening with work, with the household, with anything, and you suddenly have to try and communicate how you can get help from your partner, and it's hard. We've talked about different things um, over the years, Lindy and I have. Talked about just like post-it notes on the mirror, you know, like maybe when you don't have the words, but it's been a really, really long night and you just need to know you're doing a good job. Um, you know, scribble a post-it note and leave it on the mirror. You know, tell them what, tell them very, in male-female relationships, a lot of times males need to be told very directly what they need to be done. Even now, nine years into parenting and getting ready to have our sixth child, there are times where my husband needs to know very directly, hey, I need you to change the baby. The diapers are here. You know, like, I mean, very, very directed things mm -hmm. of like what you need. Yeah. But it's hard because you have to find the confidence to say that. Plus you have to somehow find the confidence that you're doing the best thing for your family. Mm -hmm. And it's all just hard. Yeah. All while battling kind of that mom guilt and just all of it. But I do wish um, that there are these conversations and we had the knowledge like an experience to have them before <laughs> because yeah. bringing a kid into any sort of relationship I mean it just it flips it like completely upside down like no matter how kind of secure in communication or you are it is such a big change mm -hmm. that um I do wish they you know you're able to talk about it before like what do you, and, and as you're pregnant, like, how do you see the weeks mm -hmm. after kind of going, what kind of support do you need? How can we work as a team and even into the ongoing months mm -hmm. and kind of, if you have any expectations, like discuss them, discuss any sort of worries or concerns, mm -hmm. but communicate, communicate, communicate. And here's the deal, especially with your first baby, you might not know what those are. We yeah. do a pretty lousy job at setting women up for reality after they have a baby but the best thing that I can say is that really, really, truly try and tap into those feelings as much as you can and communicate them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're up in the middle of the night feeding the baby and your husband's next to you snoring and you feel rage and you feel angry, try and remember that the next morning and try and have a conversation and say, hey, this is happening. This is how it's making me feel. There might not be anything you can do about it, but at least just even expressing those feelings, I think, gets you somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough though, especially those first few weeks. And I'm going to go back to exactly what I said about the overnight feedings. For most women, it does get better and it does get easier. The mm -hmm. hormones regulate. 
the breastfeeding relationship gets stronger, it gets easier, and it's literally just greeting each day as it comes and knowing that the sun's going to come up the next day. Mm-hmm. And even like literally six kids in, I can tell you in two months when the sun sets and I know that it's me and that baby for the whole night, there are going to be moments where I love the silence and the darkness and that connection and it's just me and him and it's going to be wonderful. But then there are going to be moments where the sun starts to set at 6 or 7 p.m. And I'm anxious about what the night's going to hold because it's just going to be me and him and am I going to get any sleep? So that stuff doesn't go away, but it does get easier as the baby gets older. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, How to entertain a toddler while breastfeeding an infant. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I've done a whole lot of things. Yeah. I had one that didn't stop breastfeeding. So I tandemed my first two. Um, and it was pretty much the only way we survived because he would nurse pretty much when the baby nursed. Um, and it was the only way to get him to like not be jumping off the couch or throwing things across the room. Um, involve your partner. If your partner's around, um, involve older siblings if you have them with the toddlers, um, create a basket if you can in those days before you have the baby, you know, those busy, nervous, when is this baby going to come days, you know, coloring books, activities that they haven't seen before. Um, it will get easier. (laughs) I feel like that's my answer to everything. It gets easier, but like as that baby has better head control, learns how to latch better, you're going to be able to have your other hand, especially if you're wearing latch mama clothing. Um, (laughs) You're going to be able to have your other hand to be able to entertain them, to be able to help them, to be able to kind of multitask. Um, But in those first couple of weeks, try and find those activities. I don't know. You know, there's, there's articles where like people, you see these people who are like feeding their brand new baby and reading their, their toddler story at the same time. But like, it's almost like when I used to see pictures of people traveling the world and then I went to India myself or I went to Thailand myself. And there are certain things like the smells of the open air sewer and like the 110 degree weather and just like the stuff that like literally you can't read in a story. So you're seeing this beautiful picture of this woman breastfeeding her baby while she's reading a book to her toddler without taking into consideration at all the hormones that are released when you breastfeed Mm -hmm. and the fact that the toddler is all over the place at the same time that this sweet little perfect little baby is right here who don't want to get hit in the head it's just it it's just hard because I feel like we have we set these expectations that that's what it's going to look like it's not what it's going to look like no. probably for most people. And I mean, honestly, for me, I mean, aside from a snack or a TV show, mm-hmm. honestly, what I really just learned is to lower my expectations. hundred percent. You know, I get these questions. Well, I'm having like my third and like, but when I need to feed the baby, like, how am I going to f- like Johnny wants me to wipe him and like Susie wants me to play a game with him. But, but like, how do I do all three at the same time? And I'm like, you don't like somebody waits. Yep. Like hundred percent. Somebody waits, you look at them see what the priority is. It's probably going to be that newborn baby and the others wait uh-huh. and it's okay. And it's okay if they wait and it's okay if they cry and it's okay if they yell at you. Like it is okay because you're only one person and you just got to slowly work through those things and you can't 100%. stress over do it, trying to do everything mm-hmm. at the same time. Because you, you can't. You will break yourself. Yeah. Like it, it just won't work. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay for those kids to just 
realize that. And you might even find them start to do it for themselves. I was about ready to say that. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. That's something Lindy and I have learned in big family life is that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you know when they really need you. And mm-hmm. then sometimes they can absolutely do it themselves. Yeah. They just have to figure it out. Yeah. So or most of the time I say, I can help you, but I can only help you in 10 minutes. And then they can choose whether they want to wait or, and they usually just go figure it out themselves. Which is nice. Absolutely. But yeah, but take a deep breath. The stress doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, okay. We have one more. Family judgment. How can you help older generations or non-supportive family to understand breastfeeding? Do it in front of them. And just keep doing it. <laughs> um, that was my solution. Pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, for those of you who don't know the story behind Latch Mama, I mean, lactation was not something that was like super talked about or done in my family. Um, I'm one of three and my mom didn't breastfeed my sister and my brother. Literally, Latch Mama just became like the clothing line became the revenue to support a community and to support moms in the postpartum experience. So for my family, this was all very, very new. Not only my extended breastfeeding and my home birthing, but the idea now that their daughter runs a company that basically puts Facebook ads up all over the place of women with their breasts out. So it's been an adjustment, I think, for for my family. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to think back to like nine years ago. I mean, I remember sitting at my parents' house and my dad being like, so are you going to do that forever? I mean, I think Nathan, (laughs) I think Nathan was like two and he's like, so do you have a plan to stop? Like, like what's going, like, does he really need that anymore? And it's comments like that, that we hear all of the time in the group. And it's literally just coming back to the fact that we support you and other people need to support you to doing what's best for you and your family. It's not hard. Yeah. But you're going to get people in your ear mm-hmm. and you're going to get people who say your baby's too old for that or you shouldn't be doing that in public or hi honey, why don't you cover up or hey, I don't really think that's great that you do it in front of, you know, Uncle Tim. I think you need to go, you know, back to, back to the bedroom or hey, I've set up this really really nice place for you to nurse back here. Yeah, no. I mean, it's just, it's so hard. I remember when we first started the company, we started in like October and I didn't realize that that happened a lot, which is, which is, was very naive of me. Like I knew that women weren't always embraced to nurse in public, but the amount of emails I got that first holiday season from women who suddenly with our clothing, which wasn't great then, but it was still our clothing. It was wonderful, but they were able to participate in holiday activities without feeling like they had to leave that Mm -hmm. situation because they felt covered and they felt confident literally made me realize that like we a hundred percent had something as a company, as a mission, as a voice, like we had a captive audience because they were literally women who were getting up from under like watching their kids open Christmas presents under the Christmas tree because they had extended family there and they were going to the guest room to feed their babies and missing these magical family moments. And I mean, we weren't selling a lot of clothes then, but I would say, I would say 10, 12 emails from women who said that their holidays were completely different. Oh, oh. yeah. I, I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's awesome, but it's not, you know, I mean, it, it's great that we're, we're getting oh, clothes, well, but you no. shouldn't need clothes. Like you should you be should able to be pull able, your shirt up exactly. or do whatever you need to do to feed your baby where you want to feed your baby. No, that's um, true. but I don't know. I mean, it's like anything in life. You listen, maybe you don't validate, you educate a little bit yeah. and you, you know, draw the line in the sand and say, this is what's best for my family. And you be confident, you know, be confident in it. Yeah. And, and know it that might you just take a bit of time to yeah. feel that confidence in yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause I know, you know, learning and helping teach that little one how to breastfeed and you're trying to figure it out too. Like it is difficult and you might want to go and have some privacy, but as soon 100%. as you're ready and if you want to be nurse, wherever you want to nurse, like yep. be confident in yourself and just yeah. go for it and do it. And the, Absolutely. And that's a great point. Like to say, like, if if you do want privacy, then that's what's best for your family. You do you a hundred percent. But if these comments are getting to you and if these comments are interfering with what you feel is best for your relationship with your baby or what's best for your family is just know that the support is there. Um, The education is there. Um, proof sources work great anytime you're trying to quote unquote sell anybody on anything but at the end of the day you don't have to sell them on anything it's your life and it's your baby and your breasts are made to provide milk and sustenance to your little one yes so cool this is fun I love to geek out we don't talk about breastfeeding that often but are we done I I missed something But, well, I was just going to say, like, kind of like the older generations or non-sweater family. Also, if you have, like, other siblings at home. Like, I yeah. love, like, my kids know what I do for work and 100%. who I work with. Yeah. And it's so great to have, like, my my oldest son is 13 and 11. And, like, I have a boob pillow. <laughs> and, like, now he's like, yeah, but, Mom, they look, like, really realistic. He's like, <laughs> I've seen the graphics. He's like, but those, they have marks on them. I'm like, oh, like stretch marks? Like, yeah. and he's like, mom, I know what they're made for. But like, it's really cool to like, absolutely educate that yeah. those, those younger kids too. And like, you know, yeah. so they, they know why, why they're created and what they're for. Yeah. So it's not just like, and there's a generation. really, really good Mr. Rogers neighborhood episode. Um, about breastfeeding. Yeah. And if you guys go backwards, it hasn't always been this way. Um, but yeah. if you go backwards and find some of the really, really good stuff that's out there, um, that's well done on why mammals drink mother's milk. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some great, great things. And I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to showing the Mr. Rogers neighborhood. That's what it was called. Right. To, yeah. um, it's older, the older generation. I'm just show it to kids. Show it to old people. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I think Big Bird nurses on the Sesame Street episode too. Just drop, drop all those links. <laughs> <laughs> Text them to the grandparents. Um, yeah. But cool. All right, guys. All right. Stay tuned for the rest of the month. Yeah. Great, great stuff to come with our big uh, World Breastfeeding Week sale at the end of the month. Um, but yeah, we're excited. It's fun to talk about breastfeeding. Yes. It's good. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.